greetings, everybody, and welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. Um, hey, man. Hey. How are you? I'm great. Where do you go by? Mick B? Mick Boogie? Mick... I don't even know how to pronounce your real last name. My only last name. Uh, <laughs> Batiski. Batiski. Yeah, Polish. Um, how does it feel to be Polish? What's it? Do you have Polish pride? No. Um, I get it spelled... I get confused with, like, whenever I write Polish, I get it... Like, I write, like, Polish. Mm. Like, nail so Polish. So you don't even know how to write yeah, Polish. Yeah, and my last name is B-A-T-Y-S-K-E, but originally it was an I. But when they moved here, like... A couple hundred years ago, they try to get fancy. Mm. They try to like be cool. So like they, most immigrants, yeah, so, yeah. So like they dropped the um, the I, made it an E, thinking it could like fake French. Right. And we're not. And uh, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we've just been. I've, so you're not I've, fooling anybody. Is no, what you're saying. no. Your family just, never fooled. It's anybody. a really odd thing. There's like no really. So there's like really no history for our name because it's like, and it's not even technically like a nationality. Hmm. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. That's an amazing way to start. <laughs> Everybody, this was, that was uh, Mick B. Uh, we're going to get into that in a minute. But in case you guys are tuning in for the first time ever, this show is uh, Innovation Crush. We cover all things ideas, creativity, smart people doing smart things. And today, the buck does not stop. Why don't you tell a little bit of uh, who you are? You know, a 90-second version of, of who Mick B, Mick Boogie, no I, no E. Polish. Wow, we're, 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 throwing, we're throwing out all the old, the DJ, the old DJ names. and uh, Yeah, we're going to get my last name right. Batiski. Batiski. There I'm we not, go. I can we, do it. We got it. We got I can it. do it. I'm grown up now. Um, I am a human being that lives in Brooklyn, New York, originally from Ohio, uh, Midwest, born and raised, and then kind of grew up and spread my wings and moved, moved to New York to pursue my dreams. And um, first and foremost, I'm a DJ. Uh, I've had a very blessed career. Started in the dorm room with two crates of records and ended up traveling the world, DJing for any celeb, any brand, every anything I ever really wanted to do. I've kind of been able to like figure that out. Yeah. I'm really appreciative of that. And now I'm using that to leverage like a whole other career in creativity and in and, and tech and innovation and, and, and angel investing and maybe one day a VC and maybe all, all sorts of really fun stuff that have all just like led as an offshoot of the creativity I had in DJing. That's a, I mean, that's an interesting path, right? Yeah, it's not yeah, one yeah. you hear of very often. Like, even when I wrote you down, I was like, DJ slash model slash consultant slash I'm a, ver- I'm a virgin for this path. <laughs> I'm the- um, but how does that, like, you know, what was that natural progression? Because it, obviously it's natural for you, for but, me, yeah. but it's not natural for most people. So what no. was that like? Um, it's funny because for me, it's that's how my mind has worked since the beginning. I didn't know that though until I kind of took a like look in the rearview mirror and, and kind of like analyzed my life. I self-taught myself to DJ just because I loved music and I used it as a means to go to college. You know, I used it to um, make my college experience more culturally So not, not get girls. I think. I mean, I, I guess I got girls because I was a DJ. <laughs> I don't know. I had, it was residual, but I had a girlfriend out through college. I'm, uh, I'm a commitment guy. I, I had see, a girlfriend right, out through college, go. but. Uh, I, and then I end up really trying to like take it seriously because uh, I used it to pay for grad school. This is all in Ohio, and so it was just really a means to further my education and further my knowledge and further my professional growth. Then I finished that, and I decided I didn't want to grow up because who wants to? Right. And so from that point on, I said, let me just continue to DJ. And I kind of had a moment where I said, "Wow, I just finished grad school. I don't have any loans. All this kind of came from the DJ. This is just living in Cleveland, Ohio, by the so way." So you this literally is- like paid. College tuition from, from DJing. Yeah, I paid my grad school uh, wow. from, from DJing. And, um, what, did you, what did you think you were going to do? Because like, if you you know, you know go to grad school, again, that's not something you typically hear of from a right, DJ. And right, I'm using right. quotation marks. Too. Absolutely, you, you don't. 
Um, yeah. I thought I was going to do, I mean, I had MBA in marketing, so I thought I was going to just do whatever marketing creative things existed in the Midwest and the mid-aughts. Right, right. Uh, and then I finished that, and I was like, yo, I don't want to do this at all because this is like pre this world we live in now where everyone's a creative and everyone's an entrepreneur and everyone's a curator and everyone's a storyteller and everyone's a VC and everyone's this and there's social media and all this. Like none of that stuff existed in 05 when I finished. Right. It was just we were right on the cusp of all that being invented. So if you lived in Ohio, you was like, oh, we had GM. You know, we had like, I don't know, good Goodyear. I don't know. I don't even know. No, if I, I, like, you know, I grew up in yeah, Detroit. Yeah, and I, so was, I worked it. at Chrysler right yeah, out of college. Yeah, like uh, – Cleveland Clinic, you know, I mean, there were there weren't a lot of like we didn't have like the the Apples and the Facebooks and the Googles and the Nikes and the Widening Kennedys and all of that there. So I said, let me stall, <laughs> let me just <laughs> let me just DJ for a year or two and figure this out. And um, from that point on, did I just kind of like put all my eggs in one basket intellectually and used everything I learned in school, everything I knew, just inherently, just being wired like how I'm wired. And was able to take my career from a couple of years prior DJing in a dorm room to moving to New York City um, with no money, by the way. Uh, but it just like I just had enough relationships to pull right. it off. And that was – and got married in that span of time too and um, to a Detroit girl. Uh, so, you know, your, city, yeah. your city's great. Uh, <laughs> it's been good to you. Yes, yes. It's been great. It's been <laughs> great to me. It's been very great to me. Uh, and uh, we won't get into that. I mean, we can. <laughs> we can turn the lights down and you can recall some stories if you if you want. And then I'm uh, I moved to New York, and I, I kind of and we, we, we can get into this more. But for for me, it was kind of like I realized the strength and what I do is not necessarily in the DJing aspect of it, but it's in masterminding my my life and how I want it to go, and in that's like kind of like my day job because I've always managed my DJ career. I've never had like. A team of people or people like putting me in all these like places. It's, right. it's, been, it's been what I do from eight to six every day is what allows me to go somewhere for one hour at night and, and, and do something to make everybody happy. Right. But that I could do with my eyes closed. I don't have to practice. I don't spend hours downloading the newest, you know, like right. I kind of can go anywhere and, and do a really good job. And I'm really, I'm blessed with that ability. But what makes, what makes me tick is what I do in the daytime. And so now, and we can get into this. It's like, yeah. The, well, hold on, because sure. what I want to do is put the the DJing in perspective. Yes, right. Sure, like, sure. where has this? Like, it's taking you all around the world. Yes. you know, same song. Yes, all around amazing. The One world, of my favorite songs of all time. Song. Um, First ever Tupac. Two, I was gonna say I used to clown around when I hung around with, with the underground. underground. Girls used to frown the same damn when I come around. Gas me, and when they pass me, they used to they diss, diss me. me. Harass me, me, but now they ask me if they can kiss me. Then they then he starts rapping really fast. And, uh, yes. and then he's like, and then people change. Shock G's like, why to? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, with or without the nose, Shock, Shock G. So anyway, um, I know a girl who in Cleveland whose sister used to date him, Shock G. That's a, and I that's wanted a, I wanted weird to know degrees if, of separation. I wanted to know if like he wore the nose in during those moments. The, well, what was the answer? I don't. I didn't ask. I I, I should have asked. He said this, in the 69, his humpty nose will tickle your ear. So, you, you know, <laughs> the next time I go back home, I'm going to find these people. I'm, gonna I'm out lyricing you. Uh, so, wait, no, so your travels, <laughs> your travels around the globe, um, like where have you gone? Dubai, Tokyo, Everywhere. For, for what? And, and what? Like, tell us about, you know, a day in the life of. Um, uh, I mean, I've DJed every continent besides Africa, which, and I was going to do Africa, but um, 
it, it, I didn't really like the offering, and I think that was when they were having all sorts of like there was some outbreak or something. I was like, I'm <laughs> some outbreak. Okay, <laughs> like, I'm cool. good. We're trying to get pregnant. I'm <laughs> good. Um, oh, and I didn't, um, I didn't DJ and, and haven't DJ in Antarctica, but I, that's actually it would be amazing for those four people there. I'd like to go DJ there Spooky did and give them an amazing party, all four of them. Yeah, that, <laughs> all four Antarcticans. <laughs> fantastic, but yeah. So I mean, I have done. You know, I mean, everything from, I, I mean, I did a VH1 tour in India. That was pretty eye-opening. I've done venues in Dubai, which I have a love-hate relationship with Dubai because it's like, it's nice, but it's really just like we're trying to just, it's like a it's like a dick contest with America. Yes. And it's like if America. Which I lose most of them. If, <laughs> if America builds a building that's like, I'm making up a number, like a mile tall, Dubai is going to build one that's like a mile tall, but then they're going to put like an antenna on it. <laughs> it's like just to be like, olive right, at the top of the building. Just some bullshit so they could be like, this is taller than your building. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's just like, then that's not really. It's just like in the Guinness Book of World Records scheme of things, it's taller. So that's that's kind of what I always interpret when I go there. Been to Asia a bunch of times, go to Europe all the time. Um, and then, you know, like the, the clientele that you have, like ranges from GQ to Twitter to Facebook to the White House. I, I mean, right. you know... Um, how? how I, don't, do you, I don't know. No, yeah, you do. Because there, there's a breaking point, right? There's a there's a point at which you're like, okay, this is now it's really different than my college dorm room, right? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. So Absolutely. what, like, what was that point where you, that inflection point where you're like, okay, like I that that was real, and I want to I'm gonna keep going in that direction, especially with no sort of representation or no man. It's you, right? It's me, me and my. Well, you know, back in the day, it was the t-mobile sidekick and then it became the blackberry and then the iphone and sometimes samsung depending on what i'm doing um you know when i don't know when there was like a tipping point per se because i know every year tends to be better than the last and i hope that continues perpetually um maybe it will maybe it won't but um i think there was a moment there were a couple things in my life where i was like oh this is pretty cool um we, I used to do the, the first gig where I really felt like I was like on to something where like this was this is really happening. Um, and it, it was actually came out of my Cleveland roots. I used to DJ a lot um, at the Cavs games back when LeBron first started uh, in his first tour duty. In you Cleveland. got powder all over your, your DJ setup? No, they, I don't even know if he was doing powder back when he was a rookie. I think he just had to get, I think he had to really become like an all star to start doing the powder. I'm not very, and, I'm not uh, very well, uh, I'm not very well versed in sports, but. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, basketball is like my favorite sport, so I could, I could, we could, we won't talk about it. But um, I was able to leverage that relationship with those guys. Um, they did a, and this is actually a very informative moment for how I run my career. They um, used to have these parties at All Star Weekend. Him and Jay Z would do these parties called Two Kings, and it was a party, just a big ass party, um, the, one of the biggest parties at a weekend. Everybody came, but they would do these dinners before the party, and the dinner was like two hundred people. And the dinner was like the people you or I would want to know. You know what I mean? It was like the CMOs and the CEOs and like all these awesome, intellectual, rich, wealthy, successful, aspirational people. Right. And the first year, I was never like because I was, I think the first year I did it for them, I was still in Cleveland and then maybe I just moved to New York. But I was never like on the level of the guys they wanted for like the party, right? Because it, I wasn't like a funk flex or like those type of dudes at that time who, who just, they, they were known for that. So they would stick me in the dinner. To DJ the dinner, and 
you know, at first I was like, oh, I don't understand, you know, why? You know, then right. then then I realized it was like the best blessing that ever happened. Yeah, to me because, I was, was going to say, that's, because, that's way better. Because because I didn't realize who was going to be at the dinner. I thought it was just going to be like some people eating dinner. And then when I looked around and I saw what it was, I was like, yo, this is totally my lane. Because my strength in DJing has always been relationships and been being intellectual while, while I play. It's never, you know, I could make a zillion people dance. That's very easy to me. But what gets me excited is like, putting together things in, a, in, that, in that sort of way, in a cerebral sort of way. So I was like, oh, that's fantastic. So if I'm doing a room and no one has to dance, how can I be creative when there's not going to be that moment where everyone's dancing and moving and there's vibrations and all of that stuff? So I would be like, okay, if Jay-Z and his people are sitting over here, I'm not going to play like rap music at dinner. So I'm going to go and dig the samples that he sampled on all his stuff. And I'm going to put them together creatively so he can feel like he's in his zone without having to, like, hear his own records, right? And this is, like, no consultation. This is just you kind of, like... This is me just... This is just how my mind works. Right, right, right. And, and then I would start, as the dinner goes on, like, incorporating hip-hop stuff. It would be, like, Tribe or, like, Dilla or, or like, you know, stuff like that's, like, vibey, not, like, turn-up music or whatever we called right. it back in then, in that era. And um, it worked amazing, you know? And, and, and all these people from all over the world would would come up to me at, these, at this event and be like... You're amazing. We want to. We want to work with you. Uh, you know. Can you send? Can you send me this playlist of what you just played and all that? So you know, I just made a great amount of relationships for years. I did that dinner for like three or four years. I think every year they wow. had it. I don't think they don't do it anymore. And uh, that to me told me something about myself. It was like, dude, like, you know, I'm not the most. I'm not. I'm not a fitness model. I'm not a, the world's most handsome guy. I'm not the the richest guy. I'm not all. I'm not the best technical DJ. There's a lot of things I'm not, but what I am is like somebody that can really like just put shit together on a really cerebral level. And so I realized that that audience in that room is an audience that I can relate to beyond being behind the turntables. Right. And I was like, this is fantastic. So I was like crafted real personal relationships out of those people. And not just in that room per se, but like rooms like that. Like it wasn't just that day. It was like, it was a bunch of things like that. In of my course, like, but that's one example. But, but, but that, you know, that, I mean, that's your kind of, your superpower is to, I, I never hear the term cerebral associated with right. DJing, right? Yeah, there's nothing about my career that's, it, it's at all ordinary compared to like 99% of the DJs. <laughs> no, that, that's what, yeah. And that's the secret to my success, I right. think. No, and it's funny because um, uh, there's this idea that I believe in where some of the best innovation comes from constraint, right? Yeah. You got a small room, they're eating dinner, the music could be disruptive to like relationship building that they're doing. You're Mm -hmm. there at a point of service, you know, but also you have this intellectual aspiration to join the, I'm going to say join the rankings. Right. No, that's very fair. Because in my mind, though, see, in my mind, I was always that person. Like, I never even, I realized when I go back and, like, looked at my life, I was never actually, like, I never thought of myself as a DJ, even though that was my means to, to do these things and still is to, to a lot of, in a lot of ways. I always thought of myself as no different than those people because I was educated and because I was well-read and because I was into all the same things that everyone else was into. I, I never lived my life the proverbial DJ entertainer sort of way. Right. I could care less. I don't go, if I'm not working, I don't go out. I don't, I don't, I like to go to bed at 10 o'clock. Yeah. I like to wake up at six, you know, it's a different world for me. So I always completely identified with the people in that room and it was in, 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 in rooms like that. And now moving forward to all the things I see you at all the time. Like, you know, it's the, it's the same kind of like mind state. Yeah. So, what, I mean, what, a, what attracts you? You know, what, like, what, what's, it, what's the thing that like gives you goosebumps when you, you know, uh, you, whether in your, 
the craft you're known for or just outside of that? Like, what's the thing that really gets you when you're like, you encounter it? And you're like, okay, that, that, I love that. Or I'm loving this conversation or this dialogue or this opportunity. Oh, man, so many things. I, I mean, we could talk from a DJ's perspective. I could, I could tell you that it's like there's a couple things that really get me juiced. It's when I think of creative ways to put songs together that haven't been put together in that way, like to the average person. Right. So for me, I did a lot. used to do a lot with like wordplay. So if a song, I'll give you a good example. So if I was playing uh, Beastie Boys and Q-Tip, get, get It Together, which is like one of my favorite yeah. Beastie Boys songs, like they say the phone is ringing, oh my God. So like I would like loop like the oh my God, and then I would bring in like Tribe, oh my God, under it, mm-hmm. like completely on beat. And then so there'd be like wordplay. Or if I was playing, you mentioned Shock G. If I played a Humpty Dance, and he says, um, just let me introduce myself. I would loop, introduce, just let me, I would loop, what are they? In, let me, me introduce me. Yeah, and I would bring in Jay-Z, allow me to reintroduce myself. And people would go nuts. And, like, nobody was really doing the wordplay stuff. Right. But for me, I wasn't going to go up there and, like, outscratch all these dudes. And I wasn't going to go up there and have more exclusives than, like, a clue or those type of guys. And I wasn't going to be able to, you know, there's just guys, there's guys, especially, like, like those old school house DJ guys, they could mix, like, four records at one time. They would have, like, four turntables. They would have these DJ booths that are huge. Are, like, you, are, you, are you competitive at all? Because I get the sense, and this is kind of how I operate, right? Like, I kind of look at the landscape and see who's doing what. And, I like, same thing. Like, I know what I can and can't do, but right. I'm also like, ooh, nobody's thought to do this. But to me, it's, like, almost like a friendly competition to my peers, if, if you will. I'm competitive in a way that I I aspire to be successful. And when I see people who are either peers or just people that are just peripherally in my industry doing things that are great, it inspires me to do more and do better. I'm not competitive in, like, the actual, like, minutia, whatever that word is, because I'm the smart guy, right? I don't even know what that word is. Minutia. My, that, the correct word that, is. That word. Minutia. You have a bell? <laughs> uh, of like of technical DJing stuff so like if I go to a party and this guy is just doing some scratch nobody's ever heard and or if he's playing like some song that like some version of it that nobody's ever heard before I'm not that guy it's like oh my god dude what is the name of that scratch how did you learn how to do that like I don't care right. Um, <laughs> right I probably cared like in college like when I was 18 and I used to go home and I used to watch like like you know X-Men and scratch pickle tapes and stuff like that like I probably cared at that point yeah. but I just don't now um, I respect it obviously a million times, but it's just I just I'm not competitive in that way. You know, I'm competitive more so via inspiration of like, oh, how did this guy pull, get? How did he pull this off? Like, in, right. in, in, in whether that's in DJing or whether it's in like any other business thing or or just really in life or even like when you see that really ugly guy with the really hot girl, you're like, yo, how did he pull that off? That's me. That's, yeah, you're looking at me yeah, while you're saying that. Yeah, you're you're, you're a <laughs> handsome gentleman, Chris. Um, no, it's, it's, it's interesting because you have this, like, it's almost like dissecting culture and dissecting things, right? You're an analytical person, if I'm, if if I can extrapolate a little bit. Um, how does that translate into your other endeavors? I know you've invested in a few startups. You, uh, you you still have the clothing store and, uh, no, okay. We sold that. I mean, I sold my interest back in that a long time ago. Good. um, Cause that was, it was in Ann Arbor anyway. And I went to Michigan state. So I was glad that Uh, that that's no longer yours. I believe it's still doing well though. Um, but that actually was interesting because that, that, um, was the first thing I ever was like I try to do outside of like DJing mm. and um, to have a minority ownership and something like that and it was like people started treating you different which I thought was really fascinating I was in Cleveland at the time but it was like oh 
you have you just you're DJing, but oh wait, you have that? That's cool. Like like you're not just like staying at home all day like playing video games, you uh, whatever <laughs> right. whatever people do. And so whatever DJs do during the day. I think subconsciously, I mean what I did during the day was go to school, but like I think I think subconsciously that inspired me to start wanting to create all these other things outside of DJing. Also my uh, my grandparents were very entrepreneurial. Um mm. I didn't realize, you know nobody knew it entrepreneur meant when we were growing up it was it wasn't like it might have been they might have had that magazine at the time but like it wasn't right. like a buzzword <laughs> right. right and nobody had, nobody failed it's jargon like it's, it's reached the point of jargon like yeah. innovation like I, i'm right. guilty of it in, you know in my own show like there's these words that okay. right there's so many of them and they've been there since the beginning of time and people didn't just fail fast people just failed and they were just like fucked you know, like it wasn't it, was, it wasn't <laughs> exactly. celebrated you were just broke shoot the like, horse it was nobody cared nobody was like oh it's so awesome how you failed you leaned in and you failed so bad <laughs> nobody cared you just like my dad's had three floor floor covering tile businesses and they all failed and nobody was there to like Cheryl Sandberg him and be like that was amazing like it just did not <laughs> you happen failed awesomely. you failed amazingly Good job. fail whale and all that stuff but my grandpa had a drugstore, and he actually did really well. And I didn't know at the time that, like, watching him run these businesses was inspiring to me. And then he, um, when I was in seventh grade, gave me my first job. So I never really had, like, uh, the kid kind of, like – I mean, I mean, I was obviously – I had plenty of time to be a kid, too. But right. I was also, like, after school going and working and on Sundays working. So my free time was cut very finite and it was just like work 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 but I was working with family and it was it was really it was an awesome time it was, it was one of my probably one of my happiest times of my life even though like, my life is very happy yeah and that inspired me to always work really hard but I didn't re- I, I didn't realize that at the time that that's what it was inspiring me because I was a kid and then you realize like your whole life that was and that was the last time I had a real job dude like that wow when I graduated college I mean excuse me when I graduated high school and I went away to college that I never had like I worked in a, I worked in the library I was like, I think I did that. That didn't count. Like, Shh. Were, you the, were you the official husher? No. I, you know what I used to do was they would, they would, everybody would just like, you know, they would put, I worked at the thing where people would bring their books when they were done looking at stuff and you'd have to go put them back up on the shelf. You were a cart pusher. Yeah. Okay, you were that and guy. I would just go to a different part of the library and stick them on some other shelf like somebody just finished them and put them somewhere else. So I didn't I, I find, You know, it's funny. I find like a lot of really like <laughs> high functioning creative people, jobs that they had, they just totally like bullshitted their way through. Yeah, I didn't care. Yeah, I didn't care. Um, so, a, a couple of startups you I know Localure is one. Like, yeah. what are some the, other things that you've gotten um, involved we have, in? Uh, Localure, which is a um, really great um, travel app, and what we try to do is, you know, the whole like Yelp thing is kind of like annoying when you go to places and you never really know what to believe and who bought this review and all of those things. And we're like, like I, when I go places, and I'm sure it is when, when you go places too. I don't want to eat at whatever everybody eats at and I don't want to stay where everybody stays and I want to kind of like have my own kind of like vibe right similar to things that I like and people like me like and so we kind of figured out a way to have locals curate these experiences for you whether it's in food whether it's in entertainment and you can truly go to any place and you know like if somebody comes to LA right like if you showed me your LA, it would be a lot better in one day than what I would figure out on my own. If I, if, I mean, I come out here all the time now, so like I kind of get it. But I used to only come out here twice a year, and I hated it because I didn't know it, right? And I didn't understand it. And I was like, holy shit! If I have to walk down Hollywood Boulevard one more time, see Spider-Man, <laughs> this blows. And now I'm like, oh, this is great. We go to, I go to all these places, and I have friends out here, and I have a great time. And but so that's what we kind of strive to give people the experience of 
in in multiple cities around yeah. around you know the globe. And so it's going really, really well. We have a partnership with JetBlue and um, some other stuff in the works, which is really cool. And um, have another company that I'm part of called Dot Dot Dash. And it was a very, it was the first investment I ever did. Um, and it was originally a really, really bad photo app called um, Stublisher. And then it became a really bad diary. So it's also app. a bad name. Yeah, it was a bad name. <laughs> and, then, and then and then it became a really bad diary app called um, DM maybe. Goes down in the DM, it does go but down it was like D I E M. Goes down on Stublisher too. It does, and they all, and that's why they all failed. And um, but the kid who started it, Kyle, his name's Kyle, uh, genius, like like Zuckerberg level genius in mm-hmm. my opinion. And I was just like, you're a winner. So they figured out finally that their strength wasn't necessarily making these apps, but it was like, oh, we have like they're like, oh, we can do all these other things. So they started doing all this really amazing experiential vr 3d tech stuff so now they're doing stuff with like mountain dew and complex and htc and they just did a big presentation actually at ces with htc um so much amazing stuff that they're doing right. adidas nike you, you name it and it just took them a while to figure it out um, what was that like what was that like, what was the time where you met them and you thought kyle was smart and interesting and the time that like they figured it out um Three, four years. Oh, wow. Okay. It's a long time. I mean, it's patience on, on your side. Like, And at what point were you like, I, I'm investing, like I'm putting capital into this? Or were you just like kind of along for the ride and consulting and advising? Because I know that's part of your yeah, like, I mean, repertoire, I, I, I too. Put, I mean, I put money in. Um, but I also enjoyed kind of like being along for the ride and helping, too, and giving insight and giving thoughts. And I thought they were actually very receptive to um, listening also, not just to me, but other people involved. And it was, it was pretty nice uh, to, to be heard. And, you know, I was able to use some of my relationships to open some doors for them. And then, you know, ironically now, as, as, as life comes full circle, they're actually able to use their relationships to open up doors for me. So they've actually booked me enough DJ gigs through their relationships that it actually paid for my investment back. Wow. Which is crazy, right? That is crazy. And, and, and ben, I didn't know that was going to happen when I, when right. I did it. I was like, it was just like in my life. And this is, this is what's amazing about how my life is going now and why I love it so much. When I started doing all that stuff, I was this was at the end of like the the Mick Boogie era of my DJ career where I was like I can't be this Mick Boogie like DJ character for the rest of my life. It's not really believable. I don't want to be like a 62-year-old dude, you know. And then I was doing I was starting to like branch out and do like talk on panels and do things like that. And I had like this moment where I'm on a panel with all these people with these really important like names and then it was like <laughs> and Mick Boogie. And it was just like it, instantly like the credibility in like the audience changed. Right. So that was embarrassing to me because all of a sudden what I was saying, I could have been curing cancer, but nobody really would have taken it seriously because I was coming from this like rap name. Yeah. Right? And, and, and the thing was like with, with me, it was like I always had a career that if you kind of, if you knew the world, you knew me, but I wasn't like a household name at all. It's like yeah. I wasn't like a, a Flex or like a Jazzy Jeff or like a Kid Capri or a Clue or, or a Drum or like these people that are like, the, they have the first name recognition, right? So... If you have an iconic, legendary name in music, you should keep it, you know, because you have that. You'll have that forever. I didn't have that, so for me, holding on to a name that didn't have that sort of like cachet didn't really right. make any sense. So I just kind of did a rebrand on it, and so I just DJing as Mick, one word, all caps. Thankfully, it was nobody. There's not a lot of Mick's in the world, and then for like business stuff. Yeah, in fact, you have Mick.co, and like didn't your like Twitter or your uh, Instagram, Instagram like, handle is yeah. Mick. Yeah, it just, <laughs> it just works. It works really right. well. And so, yes, yeah, so all of that kind of like feed, feeds into to, to everything that we're saying. And, um, you know, did I answer your question? I, I have no idea. <laughs> well, when I listen back, I'll be like, 
Nope. Edit, <laughs> edit, edit that shit. No, that's perfect sense. So, interesting thought. I mean, you know, uh, you have this professional journey, and you're obviously very cerebral in how you craft your own career. Yeah. Uh, when we had lunch last, you ordered this very yeah, we, particular... We, we laughed a lot. Yes, we did laugh a lot. Uh, you said some things that were super inappropriate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. No, thank you. Uh, but... You ordered this salad, and it was like, you got very particular about yeah. how you ordered the salad. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, I used to be fat. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. T- tell us about, about Fat Mick. Fat Mick was fun. <laughs> fat Mick was really and fun. The, and the transition. That's what I really want to get into, uh, but, you know. Fat Mick was happy, man. He didn't have any cares. He didn't have any bills. He didn't have any kids. Like, he just was like, you know. It's funny, man, when I realize in retrospect, like, I, when I was really, this is in Ohio, I, I was really, really, really fat. And I dressed really, really bad. Yet I had like amazing girls that wanted to like do like we'll call them dates. And, and <laughs> do the they wanted to see. Me. And I'm just like I thought I was like amazing. I was like I'm amazing. Then I realized like in retrospect that I was being used because they weren't actually obviously there's no way they were physically attracted to me because I was just so out of where they were at physically. Now what's fat like? Is and, it like what, by I, comparison to now? Like a hundred pounds more. Okay, all like, right. Yeah, like like two eighty. That's fat. Two seventy, two eighty. That, that that qualifies. Yeah, like 80, <laughs> 80, 90 pounds more. Um, and so then I re- so I realized that I was actually like you know uh, what do you, what do you you know it was like the girls that would just date people because they have, of like status whatever I mean the whatever status I had in Cleveland I don't think it was like status but it was just interesting because in my mind I was like oh I, I'm I'm loved. <laughs> right, right. I was like, no, dude. I was just on the radio five days a week, and I gave him concert tickets. Like, that's. I think that's really what it was. Uh, so it was interesting coming to terms with that. But um, yeah, like you know, I, I made a I made a focus in my life to kind of get get my health together, and I also that changed my career in a lot of ways too. And nobody, like, why would, for example, like a, a GQ hire me to show up in an event and, 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 and DJ for a bunch of people in, in $6,000 tuxes if I can't fit in them right. and I don't look nice in them. I wouldn't hire me. Yeah. I didn't understand that at the time, but it's just it's common sense for marketing. Right. So, uh, so uh, and, I mean, you actually, you, you, speaking of your health, how long ago was that? Like how long ago did you actually lose? Um, it was between 05 it was a process. It was started like maybe like no no. It started like, oh six, and then it finished around. I moved to New York in oh eight, and I moved to New York around. Let's see, I was two seventy five in Cleveland, and we got to New York. I was like two forty two. So I maybe that was, and then I and then a couple of years in New York, I got it down to like now I'm like two hundred one eighty five. Nice. You look so, you look great. You know. You're, I mean, the, I made a, you're a beautiful I had a, man. Had a lot of pizza. pizza. <laughs> uh, cool. well, I was, the reason I was asking because I want to do the opposite. I want to see how long it'll take me to gain hundred pounds. To gain hundred pounds. So very uh, easy. Lots of ice cream. <laughs> no, but uh, you know, I think all you know. Speaking of like this idea of focus and you know focusing on your career, focusing on the path you want to go, mm-hmm. focusing on your your health, and in the midst of a very vigorous travel schedule, you know, yeah. every time I talk to you, you're somewhere else. <laughs> I didn't, I don't even realize it, dude. Like the first 12 days of this year, I was gone for like 10 of them or at least parts of 10 of them. Right. And, and, and then I'm home for like a day or a half of a day in the middle of these things. So in my mind, I'm like home all the time and, you know, and I like, and I, but I'm not. And then I looked at my schedule and I'm just like, and nothing, and I'm getting like nothing done. And like my kids, like my son's like a year and a half and he's just like, what's up? And I'm just like, yeah. then you, I don't, but I don't realize that it's that, 
because I'm in it. And then sometimes I have to sit back and like look at it. And I'm like, this is nuts. Yeah, I was going to say, like, how do you balance that out? Especially being a family man, especially just your own self, right? There's something to be like, it could drive you crazy just to be wake up in a different city every few days. But like, what is what is your like your key to your own personal balance in the midst of it all? Um, a couple things. One, I'm fortunate to be able to do this for a living. I'm fortunate that I'm when I'm DJing that it's enabling me to like go to that. So, so when, when I'm saying I'm gone, it's not like I'm gone. Like there was a point in my time in my life where I'd be, if I did like, if I was gone for four days out of the week, it would be like, I was doing a club in, I'm making this up, Miami, a club in San Diego, a club in, in Chicago and a club in Nashville. I'm just making up random cities. So there wasn't Well, those any, are real cities. Just yes, but I'm making up an example. Oh, okay. So, so. I thought you'd be like, yeah, then yeah. I was in Johnsonville. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, some, there's some fake cities, too, that we've all been that's, to. That's true. There was a city, out, a, a nationally known city I went to, and I asked a guy um, for a salad. This was last year. This was like November. And he was like, salad, huh? He's like, lettuce, huh? It's <laughs> like, I might have a tomato. Like what? And, and that was the last time I was in Memphis. But, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but the, it was a good tomato. You can only eat pig. It was a, it was a very good tomato. Said, yeah. I should have just ordered barbecue and just kept it moving. But I've never asked for salad again in Memphis. Um, but that's a real story. But um, to your to your question, at that time it was that was, it was kind of like all right. It was very transactional. I was like, I'm show up here, DJ. Show up here, DJ. Show up. You know. Now the quality of what I'm able to be a part of is such a high level quality most of the time intellectually. So it's like when I say I'm gone, okay, it was like I was gone because I was at CES for a few days doing a bunch of events and, and, and hanging with people like yourself and, and really fulfilling all sorts of attributes and, and, and goals within me as well as DJing a lot. And so it wasn't just purely like transactional. So I was really, it was fulfilling to me. So I don't mind being gone for two or three days at a time because not only am I bringing home money to my family, but I'm enriching my brain. I'm enriching my relationships. I'm building for the future. I'm learning things, and and it's just it's it's just it's feeding me yeah. as well as feeding my wallet. And it's a lot easier to be gone from your family when you're you're, you're bringing home so much more than just money. Because yeah. if I was just trying to bring home money, I could just do that in New York, or I could just like go get a regular job or whatever. You know. Did so, you but, find that you paid more attention to that? Once you had a child, marriage is one thing, yeah. but I think once you have a kid, you, like you, then you really start paying attention to what you're bringing home. And I'm using quotation marks here. Yeah, uh, I mean, quotes. you have to make a lot more money when you have a kid. At least, <laughs> okay. you, at least you try to. Basics, yeah, exactly. Because uh, they're expensive. I mean, shit. He just had a he just had an energy for two year old preschool, and he's a year and a half. And like what? <laughs> really? Exactly. Like it's just like and the cost is insane. And I'm like, but you got to do it. Because right. if you don't, then you don't get into the good three-year-old preschool. And then you don't get into the good four-year-old preschool. Then you just and then fail you just at life. fucked for kindergarten. Yes. <laughs> and it's just like, and then you're never going to get to Harvard because you didn't go to the two-year-old preschool. This is what they told me. Exactly. So, and, I bought, and I drank the Kool-Aid. But, um, yes, to your point, I am much more focused post-baby. Um, all of these great kind of like other things started blossoming in my life right around the time we were trying to have the baby. And it all kind of created a focus around the same um, just the same kind of like visions and goals and, and morals. And it's much easier for me to go and just bust my ass and just do everything I need to do because I'm not doing it for me anymore. Right. I'm doing it for him. And um, if, if, I know if, if I know if I'm doing it for him and he's good, then I'm by default good. Yeah. And I, the, 
it's like the opportunities now that come, I feel like because I'm putting this energy out there. It, it's, and I never had a selfish energy. But if there was any selfish energy, that's gone right. because it's all about him now. And, and the, so I feel like putting that out there has just really been so beneficial to me as well because it's not about me at all. I got goosebumps. Uh, and, that, and that is real talk because I, 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 you know. You get it. You understand it more 100%. than anybody. No, that's, and that's why, you know, I was asking. You know, uh, I have two kids. I have an 11-year-old and a 4-year-old. So I'm like, I want to bring them experiences, knowledge, mm-hmm. insight, and, you know, uh, it, especially if my time is short, right? Like it's – or shortened. Um, because I'm away on these intellectual journeys <laughs> and, and doing stuff and uh, drink until four in the morning. Um, as we come to a close, um, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Sure. Um, first, the, sh- the show is called Innovation Crush. Um, what is your current innovation crush? What are, you've, you've been around the world a, a few times. I and I, 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 I'm going to keep singing the whole, the whole, uh, whole episode. But it's anyway, what is, your, what is your innovation crush? Uh, like, in, like in which way would you? Whatever. Like it can be culinary. It can be technology wise. It can be a person you know you met. Like what is the thing that's really like giving you goosebumps and getting you excited right now? Um, what's really getting me excited right now actually is I love what, what's inspired me in the last couple of years to really um, shift my career is watching people um, laterally move from like one thing and, 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 and turn that into like a, like when I see like a, a, a like a Gary V or like a Tim Ferriss or those type of guys who started off as like a wine guy or a health guy and they kind of become like they're able to take one small thing and, and take the process behind that and apply it to a bunch of different things and have success in that right that inspires me so much it inspires me more than any song any DJ any sneaker, maybe not sneaker because I love shoes, but like you I see like. These? You see these? You see these? What do you got? I don't even know what you're wearing. Hold on, over here. Just, uh, what are those? I have no idea. Yeah. I just. <laughs> you don't like those them. Scam. That's fine. Let's, let's keep going. Let's keep um, <laughs> That, and, and what, so when I find people who are able to just truly um, take one thing and, 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 and apply it across different things and have success and, and help lots of people using a skill set that they thought was finite. That gets me really juiced, and I and that's kind of what I'm trying to do now, and, and and that's kind of like I spend a lot of my time thinking about that. It's probably too much of my time thinking about that. I actually realize I spend eighty percent of my time thinking that, and twenty percent of my time thinking about music stuff, which is funny because I'm my income is still like eighty percent music stuff, twenty percent other stuff. But my inspiration, what what gets me juiced. Is the other stuff? Well, it's like you, you're in some ways on autopilot on the DJ stuff, right? And right. like the stuff that's exciting you. And, and I, you know, that was one of the things I was going to ask you. At least in the in the ventures that you've taken outside of the music world, you know, what what have you seen from whether it's like analyzing a crowd or matching beats or wordplay that you know some some of those principles that apply to your more entrepreneurial you know endeavors? Oh, that's a great question. Um, a lot of things. Like first of all. I mean, I mean, this is something actually I'm working on. I've been doing a lot of speaking, which is like something that really juices me up to like do. And I'm not amazing at it, but one day I will be. And um, so this year is kind of like a goal to like do it as much as I can for as many things, all your listeners. Uh, so one day somebody from TED will call me. But I think um, there's a thought process of how a DJ mind works that, and I don't know if we talked about this at all when we, when we had lunch, that if you're good at what you do and you're cerebral at what you do, 
your think about let's let's distill down what what DJing is at the at the basis of it. And it's not scratching, it's not mixing, it's not all these things. It's song selection and it's audience engagement. So it's me giving you a message, putting it together in a way that makes people from all walks of life in a huge multiple of you know a crowd all do whatever I want you to do at the same time. So how is that any different than a guy creating an ad campaign? Yeah. Or a guy uh, giving a motivational speech or a guy creating a, a product for a huge swath of people. It's not. You know, it's the same mind state. It's the same thought process. It's the same ideology. And that to me, when I realized that on a really high level, there's something that that's something I'm really excited to build out because I think that there's a way I can really help people. I can help brands. I can help just marketing people, creative people, yeah. uh, anybody, because I see things slightly different than how they see it. And yeah. I might not be 100% right all the time, but, you know, I've been in rooms where people are all standing around and nobody cares and people are in a bad mood and ready to go. And I could take the same 10... I've been in rooms where the DJ before me played 10 songs in a row and nobody cared, and I could go and take those same 10 songs, play them in a different order, play one minute of this song, three minutes of that song, two minutes of this song, like just completely recompose how right. the, the, the same, you know, and, and, and it'll change, oh, I just broke your mic, it'll change the whole, <laughs> it'll change the whole vibe of the room. It'll change, it'll change the whole, the whole situation because of that. And um, that to me, I was like, wow, that's fantastic. You know, and so yeah. I, 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 that, that, that's, that's how my mind works. And that's how I apply my mind into it everything i did yeah it's moving crowds it's orchestrating the right bits and pieces right. to you know to create a mass movement of, of sorts right and i don't think djs think like that you know i think they think about like uh which girl is coming home i think no i think they think about it but they don't think about it on a macro level like you've done because you know i i early on i had a dj company and like i was an mc don't worry about i'll spare you the details but that yeah. was one of the things it was like my my you know he's still my best friend to this day um, you know, w- was always like constantly analyzing who was doing what and why in response to what he was playing, right? And then right. it became this whole, it's almost like a game in some ways, so, you know, you're trying to, it's like a puzzle piece, right? You're trying to figure out where it goes and where to place it and how to make it, uh, make a whole picture. All right, the metaphor got out of hand. Um, Let me, just because <laughs> I know you'll appreciate this story. So when I first figured this out, when I first figured out I had the ability to move a crowd for lack of a better word. Uh, I used to um, work for a radio station in Cleveland, like the rap station that was in Cleveland, and you'd have to go to all sorts of random stuff you didn't want to DJ because it was just like part of your requirement of your job. So they would send me to this skating rink, like I, like roller skating rink yeah. for like high school kids. This was probably like 2003, 2004. Uh, pre Serato too, so I had all the records in there. And it was like right when No Limit was really big and all that stuff. Uh. Yeah. And I realized very quickly three things. One, the, the money was not worth my time being there. Uh, two, uh, I couldn't stand being there in the first place. This is like I just, just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it at all. And, but I couldn't not go because I'd lose my job. So I realized if I played certain amounts of records like in a certain way, like I was just describing to you, I could create melees. Wow. And then the party would just be over. <laughs> so very quickly I figured this out 
So if I had played three, this is when like dun 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 dun, dun, dun Master P, uh, yeah. the, down from my whatever, the word I can't say. Um, you can say it. Yeah, just, I mean, just die. Right. <laughs> right. And my, and my wife and my son would leave. <laughs> um, so, you know, if I played all of those songs like three times in a row, started them over and played like uh, about it, about it, and all like, like these kids would take their um, roller skates off and swing them around and just like beat the shit out of each other. And I was like, this is great. <laughs> so I would DJ for like, if the gig was four hours, I would do like 90 minutes, two hours. I'd give them some work. I'd put in some time, you know, enough to do, say I did something. And then I'd be like, all right, well, um, I think, I think ER is coming on. And you know, this is, you know, I used to have a George Clooney Caesar. So I wanted to go home and watch it. That so is I, funny. So by I could the way. learn. That's I'll send you some pictures. Oh yeah, I was the man. And uh, it was fantastic. Leather jacket it was really bad. And so I would just play those songs. People would just start like beating the shit out of each other with uh, with, with skates, and and I'd go home. So yeah, that's a lot of power. I mean, that's it, a, that's a, that that's was, a tremendous. That, I mean, just in like career-wise, eye-opening, dude. One day, I swear to you, like if, if when when someone says like, oh my, like when I'm fifty or I'm sixty, and people, and people are like, oh my god, how did you just do this? I'm gonna be like, because I was at that roller skating rink, and, <laughs> because he, of that. and I played some Master P, yeah, and, and these kids you, almost P. die. I don't. I hope they're alive, you know, but. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We should go back there and just like you should do like a little mini documentary. <laughs> One day we'll call I call it yeah, Skatehead, yeah. like all the people who got hit in the head. But I mean, skates. think about that, right? Like that's crazy. And that, I, was no, just like, I, I didn't realize that was actually really. It was they always say like work smarter, not harder, right? That was what that was. I just didn't. I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. Um, you weren't thinking I was going there. No, no I, I I never know where these things will go, especially with you. Uh, so last but not least, mm -hmm. complete this phrase for me. Sure. Innovation to me is. Oh, I thought I was waiting to see. That's the, that's the phrase to complete. Oh, in, innovation to me? Is. Innovation to me is. Don't say minutia. No, yeah, I can't. <laughs> innovation to me is taking, it's actually, it's, it's actually awesome because it's, it's, it's kind of like the roots of, like, of hip-hop culture, right? It's taking things that already exist and everybody already knows and putting them together in a different way to create something totally new and totally groundbreaking and totally inspirational to some aspirational to others and um just you know you can continue to build on it it's the roots of what made me love music i got into hip-hop because i couldn't afford all these genres of music to buy and you know all this stuff and i was like hip-hop at that time was the one genre of music that took all genres of music and it made it one so if you listen to like early 90s hip-hop i mean they would sample you'd have a song that sampled like john coltrane the beatles and, and george clinton all in the same song so i got three genres of music right. for like a dollar. Like it was like, it was a really good bang for my bucket. It was very innovative. We didn't think about it at the time. We just thought it sounded cool. And it, but it, it just, it, it created, it created, it created from things that already existed. And so to me, when I, you know, that, that's what it is to me. It's, that's awesome. Uh, especially like, you know, and also think being in the Midwest, like I, you know, grew up in Detroit, especially mm -hmm. like in the, let's call it the golden era of hip hop. But I felt like, it, when the New York or the East Coast West Coast beef was happening, like I was grateful that I got all got the best sides. of both worlds. Mm -hmm. You know, we got Biggie as much as we got Tupac as much as we got you know Outkast. Right? It was just we got a little bit of everything as opposed to like being a strict New York mentality, you know, headphone based kind of you know movement. Um, it was yeah, it was it was the same in Ohio too. You got you got the best of all worlds, and that's what shaped me. And it, I think it shaped you, and I think it shaped so many really unique sounds, especially that came out of your your city. Oh yeah, you could argue like, I mean, if you had to choose a coast for Dilla, you would choose 
East proverbially, but there was so much West Coast bounce in it too. Right. And, and, and so he was truly a a uh, you know a product of all of his environment. It was it was it's awesome. We're lucky to be from there. We are. We are. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Mick.co. Yes. Uh, Mick. What's, what's all What's all the handles? Uh, Mick.co. Uh, my Instagram is at Mick. That's M-I-C-K. Sometimes people still forget the K. I don't know why. I sent somebody your website today, or I was talking to them, and they typed in M-I-C.co. It's Mike. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. I was like, that's Mike. What's wrong with you? Um, uh, in, in the Twitter, as, as I am Mick because I couldn't get it. The guy who has Mick, has a, you should look him up. He has a really cool beard. He works, uh, I think, for like Yammer or something in San Fran. We've become like friends because we have the same name. He tried to sell me some shoes. He's like, I got these Jordans. <laughs> They're blue. I'm like, yo, if I buy him, will you give me the name? <laughs> but it's not, it's not a bad deal. Didn't happen. Um, Plus, but, you yeah. don't have to port over all your followers. It, it'd be a mess. Yeah, I think ultimately I'm going to change the Twitter to Mick Patisky, but nobody will know how to spell it. But yeah, I am Mick on Twitter, at Mick on Instagram. And, it, it just, and the easiest thing is just Mick.co. It's all linked through there. All right. Yeah. What was the last book you read? Ooh, the last book I read. Oh. I just finished this book about um, about what is it called? It was a book about different brands and how they they use storytelling, which is another buzzy word. But um, and it kind of and I don't remember the name of it, but I just read it because we just went to Paris for my wife's birthday. But it was it was pretty great. You just got to throw that in. That was that had nothing to do with this. We went to Paris for my wife's birthday. Uh, but thank you for, <laughs> for coming and now, by. And now I'm broke. <laughs> hey everybody! This has been another installment of Innovation Crush. We will talk to you next time. Oh, 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 o